hello, my name is Ken Carter and I serve as the Bishop of the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. Uh, and this is On Mission Together, which is a podcast uh, where we tell a little bit of our story. And I'm really blessed uh, to be in conversation uh, with uh, Michael Beck and Derek Scott and Audrey Warren. Uh, how are you each doing? Doing Good. well. Good, excellent, excellent. Good. Well, uh, we're going to have a conversation about your ministries, your lives, and also about mentoring and reverse mentoring. And, and we, we're just going to go where the Holy Spirit leads us. So, uh, uh, Michael, just uh, introduce yourself to us, uh, how you'd want the, those listening to know a little bit more about you. Sure. So my name is Michael Beck. I am an ordained elder in the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. Um, I serve in s- several roles. One, I'm the local church pastor, Wildwood United Methodist Church. Um, I also work for the conference in the cultivation of Fresh Expressions, and then I have a national role with Fresh Expressions U.S. as the director of remissioning. Um, my my primary day to day life is in the local church in a revitalization scenario. This big wild experiment that we call the wild ones, um, which is a mixed economy. We're shifting into the language of a blended ecology, which is a more agrarian ecosystem type uh, language that from the imagination of Jesus. So it's a church that is was founded in 1881 and has been in decline for going back about 20 years. And um, over the last couple of years, we've planted about 15 fresh expressions of church that are meeting all throughout the community at different times during the week. In addition to our normal, uh, if you want to say, uh, normal, traditional United Methodist things that we're doing every week as well. Oh, thank you, Michael. And Michael is the author of a recently published book uh, by Seedbed entitled Deep Roots, Wild Branches, uh, which is about this blended ecology. We hope you'll all uh, read it. Uh, and Derek, can you tell us a little about yourself? Yeah. Um, so my name is Derek Scott III. I am the director of Campus to City Wesley Foundation, which is uh, the United Methodist Campus Ministry in Jacksonville, St. Augustine. We're serving three campuses at the moment, University of North Florida, Jacksonville University, and Flagler College. And so I spend most of my time working with my young adult staff as we are serving college students on campus and uh, having a really good time just driving around Northeast Florida, uh, you know, doing just some really cool stuff. I also lead a fresh expression called Urban Soul that's been on a bit of a hiatus the last few months, uh, but about to kick off in some new ways uh, starting this summer. Um, And I work part-time at a craft brewery here in Jacksonville. Uh, It's called Intuition Ale Works. Uh, And so in 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 a way, all of those roles, campus ministry, fresh expressions, and the part-time gig um, all sort of encapsulate this uh, life of mission that I'm trying to live into, of living in a bunch of different intersections and a bunch of different contexts and finding the commonalities um, and really just trying to um, make sure that people's access to the church 
specifically the United Methodist Church, um, is 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 there that that people always know that there's a space in the church for them and that the church exists for them. So as a layperson, that's a really cool um, opportunity. And uh, yeah, I, I love all the stuff I get to do. So yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Amen. Uh, and Audrey. Yes. Hi. Um, my name is Audrey Warren. I'm the pastor at First United Methodist Church of Miami. And um, so just living down here um, in the bright sunshine. And um, currently with my church, we're involved in a redevelopment project. And so we're kind of like the Israelites in the desert some days. That's what it feels like. But um, our current location um, is in several locations. We are temporarily worshiping at Greater Bethel AME. And then our offices are at WeWork. And um, we're in the process, hopefully soon, of beginning to um, break ground on our new building um, at our old location, um, and we'll be part of a larger tower. So um, also really digging deep into what it means to live incarnationally with the people around us and um, grow church and be church for um, those that aren't in the church right now. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Michael, Derek, and Audrey. Uh, you three are leaders in our church, uh, period. Uh, and I would also say you're emerging uh, interpreters of, uh, of, of the gospel uh, in a very changing culture and context. Uh, and people see you as pioneers, as innovators. Uh, you each do ministry in just a fascinating, uh, wonderful way, new way, fresh way. And so I wanted to ask the question, uh, and we'll start with Audrey. Uh, how do you see yourself in this way? Uh, and what does all of this look like from where you are? What's it like to be doing ministry in the midst of all this change? And then Derek and then Michael. Yeah, um, well, I think that, um, as I mentioned before, sometimes it does feel like you're kind of in a desert, you know, um, I, definitely, I think the way that I um, grew up in church um, was, you know, we had our youth group and we had our youth group choir and um, we had, you know, all of those things. And really growing up, it was the question was, which church are you going to go to? Um, not if you're going to go to church. And so um, I think that there are many um, exciting parts about being um, on the forefront of trying to do ministry in a new way, but there's also just um, the very scary parts as well. Um, so I think that, um, you know, being a pioneer of sorts and ways um, and going into sometimes unknown places that um, possibly the church shouldn't be in um, is scary from time to time. And just, um, you know, there's the blessing and the privilege of being able to be um, in spaces and places with people. Um and so that's wonderful and unique, but there's also um, just, I think, a great fear of, of not offending someone and someone not offending you. Um, as we've been, our church has been um, having an office at WeWork and one of the employees has told us like, gosh, when I was writing your thank you card, I was like, oh great, a church is coming in here. And um, he's like, now you guys are my favorite members. And actually when they had the Southeast 
um, WeWork convention here in Miami, they asked us to come and tell our story. And then they made 400 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for our homeless ministry. That's amazing. And, yeah. and so, um, and it's just even within my office, I had a woman come speak to me yesterday and I kind of anticipated that she would probably be crying. She was coming in for pastoral counseling. And although there are many private offices around here, all of them have windows. And so really the best place was my office here. And, um, so I had her sit with her back to kind of the glass door, but later on I went and asked um, the manager here, I'm like, I'm really going to need to put in some like curtains. And she's like, that's so amazing. Like who would have known that that kind of work could have happened here. Um, and so you just see, there's a great privilege, but it's also kind of, you're like, oh gosh, I'm with this, is this woman going to be, um, offended or this or that. And so I think, um, Sometimes we see like boldness and courage is like tearing down a church building, but I think the boldness and the courage is actually needed every day in every conversation. Um, so in, in every, just all the different things that kind of you're juggling when being in a new space with new people. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's something as simple, but as, uh, as innovative as having your church office not separate from the world, but in the midst of the world, so-called Yes, yes. Uh, Derek? Yeah, you know, it's uh, even as Audrey was speaking, I I kept thinking about um, in Matthew 9 when Jesus says that the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few, and I feel like that uh, is a lot of what I see from from the position that I am in. Um, Because on one hand, there's so much potential for the kingdom, so much potential for the gospel. Um, when I'm with college students on campus, they are so eager to ask questions and to dive deeply. Um, they're not looking for easy answers. They're not looking for um, even for their emotions necessarily to be um, kind of coddled. They really are, at least in my experience, in my context, I experience college students who want to know why we believe what we believe. And even in the brewery context, um, there's never a day that I am there that someone doesn't ask me some question around church or Jesus or spirituality. And all of that just looks like potential, that people are ready to be engaged. Um, I think that the difficulty is that our churches are, and, and, and in many ways, the individuals, the people of the church, were just not set up um, as well to see that potential, to engage that potential in a, in a way that is fair, in a way that is open. And I think that's just because we've, we're just too used to doing 1950s church, where we wait for everyone to come to us. And we assume that if they're coming to us, they're coming to us thinking we're the authority. Um, and that's just not the reality. Um, and so we often don't know how to engage a conversation where we are one of many voices. Um, we haven't learned how to speak about the gospel in a way that we're still proving its authority and proving that it is as amazing as it is. And so I, 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 I live sort of in this tension of seeing all of that potential um, seeing the number of people who you know, are paying attention even to all the stuff that I do for the church who are not members of churches. Um, and, and yet 
man, wanting us to be positioned in such a way that we literally do say to the world in small, but also in profound ways, we exist for you. Right. So yeah, that's a, a lot of what I'm seeing these days. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Praise God. Uh, and Michael? Yeah. Um, I mean, my whole life I've been kind of pretty okay with risk and, uh, you know, starting new things. And that's got me into trouble at times in my life. But I'm probably a lot more comfortable creating something than than jumping into an already existing thing that's been created or system. So that's been kind of the tension that I live with in the inherited church is um, there have been times where it feels like um, uh, a create a creative uh, creativity averse kind of culture and a norm that's been set that can go back you know uh, a lot of time in the, in the history of a church and so kind of gently challenging those systems and and trying to give people change at the rate that they can stand it. And my experience has been, um, you know, I was deeply formed by the United Methodist Church. It was my orphanage. It was uh, the place where I first experienced the love of people and of Jesus through his people. So I live in this tension of, um, you know, declining congregations that that have a, a real aversion to change or risk. And then realizing that there are people in our community that no matter what we do, how great our worship services are, or how good our Bible studies, we're just not connecting with the vast majority of people um, and trying to lead people out into the community and release them as the priesthood of all believers and help them see their gifts and help them see themselves as beloved of God and that they can, they can do this, that they were ordained in the waters of their baptism to serve Jesus in the world. Um, that's kind of where I live. And I've been blessed to serve congregations that in the recovery community, we call have the gift of desperation, which is the realization that if we keep doing things like this, we're not going to be around much longer. And so from that desperation comes a willingness to experiment and to change uh, and to embrace new ways and to see when when the spirit really breathes on that, what can happen in in local churches, um, I'm pretty convinced. I'm pretty convinced it actually gets us back to our Wesleyan roots, um, which was, you know, people that would go out in fields and preach the gospel and create new systems alongside the existing ones to disciple people through classes and bands and societies. And so I think we're seeing the emergence of that happen in the local church right now. Yeah, that's that's amazing, and you're really instrumental in that. Uh, well, I want to turn toward a couple of questions uh, that that sort of we've we've laid the groundwork for here, and uh, and they have to do with mentoring and reverse mentoring. Uh, and uh, I was listening to the conversation and heard words like uh, scary, intention, and risk, uh, and not connecting and. You all, you all are really immersed uh, in this work, uh, praise God. And so my question is, as you've sort of um, begun to do this work over the past few years, um, who have been the persons who have uh, kind of walked with you or mentored you or, or, or maybe listened to your gifts and context and story 
Uh, has that been a part of your journey? And if so, um, how would you talk about it? And maybe start with Michael and then, then Audrey, then Derek. Sure. So um, one of the gifts that I've had uh, in, in my walk with Christ has been the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous and recovery programs. And, um, I, I have my biological father's unknown. I have no relationship with my biological mother and I was adopted. And so I missed a lot of, um, tools that I think a lot of people grow up with just inherently in a, in a familial system. So the gift of, uh, recovery is this idea of sponsorship. So you, you enter into a relationship with, with somebody who you want what they have. And in this case, it would be, you know, sobriety, recovery, whatnot. And you learn from them and you, you take on their heart and the way that they approach things and you come to them with difficult challenges. So um, that has been something that for me has just been natural. Um, so I really have created this network of mentors. Um, and I, I couldn't I would take the rest of the podcast to talk about all of them, but I'll just say about one of them. His name is uh, Reverend Walter Edwards, and uh, he's a retired clergy person here out of our conference and was a district superintendent in the North Central District. So myself and a group of other clergy, we meet with Walter every week. We call him our Master Yoda, <laughs> and uh, he just drops his Wesleyan wisdom on us, and we come to him with some of the challenging things. And so I would say in every area of my life, that I'm, I'm trying to grow and to, to learn. I find somebody in that sphere and I ask them to mentor me uh, and to teach me. And then the other part of that in sponsorship is you give that away. So you got to give it away to keep it as one thing that we say. So you find somebody that you're apprenticing, that you become a mentor. And so there's an, there's an exchange of learning that's happening there. It's very much like a reverse mentorship relationship. Right. Yeah, thank you. And uh, Derek? Yeah. Um, you don't want Audrey to go next? Uh, it's either <laughs> way. Sorry. We have gotten that mixed up. <laughs> I, I could go next if, if Audrey's not ready, though. <laughs> either, whatever, go for it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, because uh, there's, in some respects, there's been a lot of people, um, folks that I've worked with, uh, you know, before I started. Camps the City, I was working at Crossroad United Methodist, and there were several people on staff and at the church there, um, clergy and laity that really sort of uh, helped me find my footing as a leader and helped me find my voice, but also understand what it means to stay in my lane and to find freedom in staying in my lane and to not feel like that that was... Um, like something was being taken from me by um, allowing processes to work themselves out. And, uh, and I could, I mean, there's so many people I could name there. Scott Crawford was one of the pastors at one point. And um, but then also Sharon Havener, who was council president, individuals who really helped me. Um, and then when I started in this role in Kansas City, my district superintendents have always been just super rock stars. So Tim Smiley, um, when we started this ministry and we, I, I feel like without his guidance, I wouldn't even have this job quite honestly. Um, but then Jay Thurl has just been incredible in, again, helping me find my confidence and helping me find, uh, courage to just 
speak the truth that God has given me to speak and to not be afraid of what happens when I do that. But I'll say one more thing, which kind of reflects a little bit of the reverse mentoring. Probably the most powerful mentoring I've received has been from my students. Mm. Um, My students have asked me to lead them. Mm. And they're unapologetic in their desire for me to lead. They, they want me to be in front, to speak truth into their lives and to not abdicate the role that I've been given as their campus minister. And I, I think just that kind of, um, what's the word? I mean, they just, they, they expect it of me. And that has mentored me in a way that I, don't, I didn't expect. I did not expect them to trust me as much as they do. Um, and yet, when they feel like I'm wrong, they'll tell me I'm wrong. And there you go with millennials and Gen Z. They're happy yeah. to tell me when I'm wrong. But they also expect me to tell them when they're wrong. And they're actually angry with me when I don't like call them out when they should have been. And it, it, is, it has been a, a lesson for me, a continued lesson for me. And, 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 and it's mentored me. It really has. These 16 and a half years of being in college and campus ministry, they've been some of my uh, strongest mentors. That's amazing. Thank you. Uh, and Audrey, sorry if I got the order mixed up. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, throughout my whole life, I've had incredible mentors. Um, and I think specifically in the areas we're talking about today, probably some of the greatest ones have been the different missionaries I work with. And I know within the Fresh Expression Movement and others, we talk about missionaries having these great gifts of adaptation and um, being able to speak multiple languages. And I think all of that just lends itself to being able to be creative in situations and um, working with very little to get a lot done. And so I was so blessed to work with Kim Torres at Branches and um, there on a daily basis, um, running into a million different roadblocks um, and always having a plan J whatever it may be. And so I think that that really have, has blessed me in so many ways, um, learning from the missionaries around me. And then also um, at the church I'm at now, I would say a lot of the lay folks um, have been incredible mentors, um, definitely um, came to the church I'm at now. And um, people just, like Derek kind of said, they kind of trusted me. And you're like, who's letting me do this? Like, <laughs> Um, but they were very excited about it. And um, the risk was actually exciting to them um, as well. And so I think that a lot of those folks have been mentors to me and how to work um, in the business world outside of the church. And um, again, a place where often in seminary, I was taught like, you know, Christians don't work with developers, like they're evil people that are tearing apart cities, you know. And, um, but I, there is a way that we have to collaborate with everyone around us and um, to get the mission of, of God done. And so I think people um, in that way, I would say also you, Bishop Carter um, and Alex and Cynthia um, have just been wonderful people encouraging in some really tough times. Um, and so that, that has been so helpful um, throughout it all. We talk about permission givers and, um, but also cheerleaders and um, so many folks have played that role um, in my life and specifically in the last four years here at First Miami. Um, so who helped to believe in you and believe in 
you know, the projects and um, believe in God, even at times when you're feeling a little faint. So I think those things are, have been really important for me. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Well, as I listen, I heard uh, the many different ways God uh, provides mentors for us through, uh, through persons in recovery, through students, um, through lay persons, through missionaries, uh, a clergy person mentored by a lay person, a campus minister mentored by students, uh, a pastor mentored by a retired pastor. And I think just uh, it just reminds me of how creative God is and how God does provide what we need. And uh, you are each uh, very gifted leaders. And yet I also know that uh, you have persevered through challenge uh, and uh, you have in some ways made something uh, where something didn't exist. And that's just the hard work of creativity and innovation. And I'm just grateful uh, for each of you. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think for those who are listening, uh, we sometimes think of uh, only a certain kind of person can mentor us but that there are a lot of people who have something to teach us. And I've also thought that, um, that mentoring is a great image for the way we are discipled. Uh, if we talk about making disciples, the way we're discipled uh, in the way of Jesus and the way we disciple others. So the, the last question uh, is really uh, to, flip, to flip our conversation. Uh, and in our cabinet retreat, uh, this summer, uh, you've, you've been invited, uh, Michael, Audrey, Derek, to sort of uh, guide uh, the Florida Conference Cabinet uh, in, uh, in a way of our hearing uh, what you have to teach us, how you can mentor us. Uh, a few years ago, we watched a video, uh, How Wolves Change Rivers, which I would encourage anyone to Google and look up. And it's really about how the introduction of wolves into a national park changed the ecosystem. And I see you as examples of really creative, innovative, uh, at, the, at the margin, at the edge, called of God, spirit-led uh, woman and men uh, in very different contexts, North Florida, Central Florida, South Florida, uh, uh, rural, small town, big city, uh, et cetera. Uh, you're doing it. And so we want to learn from you. And, and so uh, we're looking forward to that retreat. But the purpose of this conversation is I can imagine a life group listening to this. I can imagine a Sunday school class listening to this. Uh, just what would each of you say about uh, uh, what reverse mentoring might look like uh, to, as Michael said, a church that is not quite ready to change or that fears change or maybe that we're stuck uh, or we just haven't, um, we're just not accessing as Derek says, uh, what, what, what Jesus wants to give us. What do you want? What's something you want other people uh, to hear or learn about uh, ministry that you have seen? And that you can share with us. And I'll try to I'll try to not to get in the way of the conversation, but maybe uh, first Derek, then Michael, and then Audrey. What a question! Um, I I, I want to see our churches think 
congregations think about their life cycle and how their life cycle is a part of a lot of people's journeys and how if if a church only has five, ten years left, what might they do with that five, ten years? And to not be afraid of that conversation, to not think that it's, um, I mean, it, if church is really the people, we are not immortal. <laughs> we're, we're not here forever. And so, you know, we all have to think about the span of our lives. And, you know, me, I'm, I can see 40 much clearer than I can see 30. And so I'm asking questions about the next, hopefully, 40 years of my life and how I want to make them count. Where if, if our churches have 20 years left, based on the median age of their congregation, how might they really leverage and steward those years, not for themselves, but for the communities that they're in, for the, um, if they do believe another generation is going to come through, how are they going to set up their congregation so that they can give an inheritance to that next generation um, and not just baggage? Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but as I think about how, um, you know, just the state of many of our congregations, we assume that we're going to be around for 100 years. And that's just not a reality for human beings. Um, it may be for oak trees, but we're not oak trees, man. We are flawed human beings that have a life cycle. So what are we going to do with the time we have left? That's a great image. That's a great image. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so also in mentorship, I think uh, there's also the concept of anti-mentors who are people who teach us not what to, what not to do. And uh, I think in the institutional church, my experience, I've had a lot of those as well. Um, but I've been really just fascinated with, with this concept of contextual intelligence. And I'm actually working on a collaborative project with my mentor, Leonard Sweet, on this right now. Um, but I think it starts with unlearning most of what we think we know. Um, and there's a fascinating concept. Uh, it really comes out of the business world. There's been a big Harvard study come out about this. But, um, there's a book called In Their Time, and they studied this canon of business legends to kind of see what, what how were they able to innovate and create change and, and thrive even in adversive contexts. And it really comes down to what they identify as contextual intelligence. Which scripturally, if we look back to the tribe of Issachar, they're the sign readers who could connect the dots and knew what to do. So they could read the context, they could see things before other people saw them, and they could adapt and 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 move with whatever those those things that were changing. And there's this really um, important lesson I think in there for the church called institutional voids. Uh, and particularly with the denomination, uh, businesses figure out pretty quick if they try to replicate something that's successful in another context, the context will determine whether that approach will be successful or not. And a lot of corporations have failed because they don't read the context. They go in and try to uh, uh, implement something that's not faithful to the context. And in many times, our uh, kind of Euro-tribal denominational approach with church is not sensitive to the context. 
And so there's a there's a there's a process of unlearning uh, assumptions that we have about our communities and the people in them. It takes a it takes a organic get out in the community and listen and prayerfully kind of see what the spirit is up to in our communities um, and really learn the context and, and what's happening there. Then we can we can engage it in faithful ways. But if, if we never do that, then I think we just kind of get stuck in the cycle of decline. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I would say um, that for me, some of it, it's just kind of, and I found what's helped us at First UMC the most is, is really getting back to the why and understanding our mission. Um, and so why do we come here each week and, and really kind of being able to grasp um, spiritually um, why we have a relationship with Christ, why we come to church. Um, and why this is helpful for other people. And so I think that motivation, um, hopefully, you know, will help folks to continue to see that other people need to need to know. So um, some of it is, so yeah, I think part of it's just getting back to the why, the motivation for why we even have church and why we gather um, and really reflecting upon that. I think um, for me, some of it has helped just understanding recently my mom sold her business a year ago and um, she's an insurance agent. And so she just really had a hard time um, getting into the whole kind of selling insurance online. And so she just really had to ask herself the question, like, am I going to learn something new or am I going to close up shop? And so um, she decided to close up shop, which is, you know, totally fine for her. But I would think when we get back to the why of church, we understand that, that we can't like the great commission was to go and make disciples. And so, um, I think for, for me, that's really where it started and where it always seems to come back to when I've worked with churches is really like, why are you here? Um, what is your mission? And so, um, some of that's helpful when we can remember that, remember our stories of faith, remember why, we get up and come and pass out bulletins um, and that it's more than just seeing the smile on the face of our friend, you know, who will be there. Um, so I think for me, that's really been important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank uh, each of you. I mean, I, your context, uh, you are practitioners of this. Audrey has uh, worked with yoga chapel and cafe in La Calle, which is, uh, ministry with uh, day laborers and Derek uh, with Urban Soul and in his work at the brewery and then Michael with the tattoo parlor and burritos and Bibles and you each also are very gifted uh, interpreters uh, for people who want to learn more about uh, innovation more about fresh expressions of church uh, more about uh, how we engage uh, the people that uh, we have difficulty reaching and uh, uh, we have tradition in the church uh, and we love tradition, but alongside that we, uh, as Michael, a word Michael used, uh, we are in desperate need of innovation. And so I just want to thank uh, each of you for who you are uh, and uh, for uh, just offering your life to Christ and offering your vocation to spend your time serving Christ and leading others. Uh, and as Audrey said, walking through the desert places 
and I hope those listening will uh, come to know a little bit more about you, about your gifts. Uh, Michael Beck, Audrey Warren, Derek Scott, uh, and uh, that you're really a resource for all of us. And I wanted to conclude just by offering a prayer for, for each of you. God, I thank you for Michael, uh, for Derek, and for Audrey. Uh, I thank you for their uniqueness. I thank you for their context uh, and how they minister so effectively and how they represent you so faithfully in those contexts. And I pray uh, a prayer of thanksgiving for those who have mentored them along the way, uh, all the different persons who've been lifted up. And I thank you for the way they are mentoring uh, the church and mentoring us. And I pray that uh, what has been shared in this conversation uh, will be listened to by seekers and by leaders uh, of your church and your mission, that students will hear it, that persons in recovery will hear it, uh, that persons uh, who live perhaps in isolation at the margins uh, and are seeking support will hear it. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you for listening uh, to us, and we continue to be on mission together.